Welcome to Let's Connect. My name is Keith McPherson, and I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this next episode. What do you do when you have over 400,000 people following you on Instagram, thinking that you're one thing, but deep down inside you feel completely the opposite? Today on the program, Sophie Gray will be joining us to share her story of courage and vulnerability and what it took to find her authentic self. So sit back, relax, and let's connect. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Let's Connect. Thank you for joining me. Um, It's been such an interesting time in the world. As I'm recording this, we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, I think we're on now, right now at this time, it's been eight weeks in quarantine. All around the world, people have been experiencing what it feels like to be locked up in their homes, not able to go out, our freedom feeling kind of compromised at this point. How do we find our freedom? It's been so interesting. I've been thinking about this time as real metamorphosis, you know? We were caterpillars in this comfortable world going through our lives, and all of a sudden we came to this abrupt stop. And then we're in this state of being in the cocoon-like state, that transformative state. And to be quite honest, it hasn't been always that comfortable to be here. And yet people are being quite resilient and finding ways to rise up above and to find new ways of creating and being optimistic. It's such an interesting time. All the tools that we were learning in the old world, you know, that were foreshadowing this, the mindfulness, the positive thinking, the, uh, the self-care, you know, our world needed this break in some ways. Um, but it came so abruptly. And now I'm just sensing that so many of us are really using a lot of the wisdom or at least relying on the wisdom that was created. You know, the mindfulness practices, the meditations, the online yoga now that we see. And, you know, it's just interesting to think about where this all is leading to. What's the new world going to be like when this pandemic's over? Are we going to move into a place of more empathy and compassion? Are we going to learn some lessons that we needed to learn globally, collectively? Such an interesting time. Wherever you're at right now listening to this, I hope that you're just feeling um, that optimistic self. And if you're not, I, uh, I really want to just send you love today and just really send you blessings in this time. Even if the pandemic's done and you're listening to this in the future, uh, my wish is that you're just feeling loved and uh, feeling some of that optimism coming through. Um, If you're looking for ways to connect to more optimism, to connect to positive thinking, um, I've created a number of different uh, opportunities for you to connect. I I have a website. I send out a daily intention every day, positive quote every day off of my website. You can check that out. I also recently created a homeschooling program all around 20 lessons of mindfulness for parents and children. So you can check that out as well at my website. Um, Also, I've been putting up just for fun right now, something that I call on Instagram, the daily serenade where I just play an excerpt of a a song musically for you just to kind of brighten your day. So lots of things to check out on my end and offerings. You can find all that at keithmcpherson.ca. I hope to make your world a better place to be and to inspire you to go inward and to feel your best self. Speaking of that, our guest today on this podcast, I couldn't be more excited. I just recently discovered uh, the wisdom and the works of Sophie Gray. She has uh, really been on a journey. This She's going to tell you about her journey on the show today, but just a, a quick intro about Sophie. She um, is, a, I would say, an Instagram public figure. She's followed by several hundred thousand people on social media. Um, she's the creator of an amazing journaling app called Dive Through. If you haven't checked that out before or heard of it, go check this out, Dive Through. It's a, a journaling app to really help you get in touch with your, your inner self. She's going to be sharing more about how that came about and the details of it on our talk today. And uh, just an all-around incredible, wise woman. I, I always joke, I call her Sophie the Great. I think she really is. And I'm excited for you to connect with her too. So without further ado... Let me have the pleasure of introducing the lovely Sophie Gray. All right, Sophie, welcome to Let's Connect, the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. 
Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm so excited to be chatting. Absolutely. I, you know, for people that aren't familiar with your your backstory, I want to start there because I'm actually still learning a bit about it as well. <laughs> I'd love to hear just where this all started for you. I mean, I we'll get into all the accomplishments and amazing things you're doing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, I had started posting online back in 2013, right at the beginning. So uh, really before Instagram had became what it is now. So a lot of the time people will ask me today, like, how do you grow a social media following? And I'm like, I'm not the person to ask because it was a different world when I had started. So when I had started sharing my life online and on Instagram in particular, it was really new for a lot of people. So I had started sharing um, just like workout photos and different things that I was eating. And people started taking a lot of interest in that. And and it really like became this massive thing. I think I had at one point like over 450,000 followers just from posting about like what I was eating and exercising and workout videos and things like that. So it had grown into this massive like thing in regards to fitness. And um, but when I had started, I was newly graduated high school. So I was new, like 18, just turned 18. Um didn't really know at that point what I was getting myself into. So it wasn't like an active decision to become this large fitness persona that I had built up, but it happened. Um, at first it was fun and then it slowly became at expense of my mental and emotional health, but I, I know we'll get into that. So yeah. yeah, I just started posting my life online and it blew up into what it is today and what it was in kind of the heyday of it. Wow. Incredible. Well, take me into, so it wasn't all it was cracked up to be and you weren't, ex it sounds like you weren't even expecting everything mm -hmm. that was happening. So um, when was the moment where you were like, this isn't fun anymore? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So like I mentioned, being in the fitness space, like posting a lot of workout photos, I would do photo shoots quite regularly. And for those photo shoots, I would have like the workout clothes that I would wear for photos versus the workout clothes I would actually wear. They're very they're black versus like neon colors and things like that. And I remember just doing photo shoots and I'd have to like get two spray tans. I'd have to limit what I was eating beforehand just to get this image for social media. And I, I my body just couldn't handle it. Like I was physically like fit appearing, but just physically was not the healthiest. And it began to really take its toll um, and mentally and emotionally because I had really turned to posting online as like, I don't want to say a child, but like as a young adult, as a teenager without like having any sense of myself. And I think that's the biggest mistake or the biggest problem with social media is that we build up our identities in relation and wrapped into what we share online. And when I had done that and then it had blown up to be, you're this fitness person now, it was kind of like, okay, I'm this fitness person now versus like, this is who I truly am. So when I had started to really realize that it was not what I wanted to, to be doing, I, I started to like slowly kind of realize that internally. Um, and then I had a big blow up that I actually experienced a panic attack on an airplane. Um, so I was flying from New York to Toronto and then would have been going Toronto to my hometown in Edmonton. And I experienced a panic attack on an air, the first flight. So from New York. And when we landed in Toronto, I turned, he was my boyfriend then he's my husband now. And I said, you need to drive me across the country because I'm not getting on the plane. So we ended up having to drive across the country. Essentially we went through the state. So it was like I think it's a 38-hour drive that we did in 46 Oh, I'm familiar hours. with that drive. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, yeah. Not fun at all. There's a whole lot of open space. So yeah. um, that experience was really a pivotal moment for me to realize I could not pretend that I was this person. I couldn't be physically putting my body through that anymore. And I had to truly take the time to focus on my mental and emotional health. Was there something specifically in the airplane that triggered it or was it just like the accumulation? How, what, what? Yeah, like it's people often think they're like, oh, so you're afraid of flying. And I'm like, not at all. Like I grew up, my family is from Scotland. So I grew up going to see my relatives my entire life. Um, so for me, I think it was, I had been traveling quite a bit at that time. Um, and then every flight there was like a little more panic and I just pretended there wasn't. So I'd like shove it down and I was fine. I was fine. Mm. And then before this flight in particular, I was reading a book that said like, you are not your thoughts. You can like control your thoughts and all this great stuff that I, I understand a little more now. But at that time I was like, great, I'm so empowered. And then I mm. got on the flight and I feel like my mind was like, you're telling me. And it just wanted to kind of demonstrate how detached and how far gone 
um, and removed I was from myself and my mental well-being. Wow, unbelievable. It's amazing that we can have like these two sides to us, this like sort of, I almost think of it as like a false front that we don't even realize is playing out. It's almost Mm -hmm. like a mask we wear. And then this other part of us, that's actually who we really are like at heart. And Mm -hmm. just hearing this, it's like the conflict between those must have been so loud to have you drive across the country instead of fly home at the time. So what changed after that for you? Yeah. So I, at first I had thought that the, the flight itself was my rock bottom. And then on the drive home, I had multiple more panic attacks because I chose four hours with my thoughts for 46 and in the middle of nowhere where actually something negative could have happened. So I remember I had another panic attack in the middle of Wisconsin and there's just so much open space there. And then when I got home, we got home at like three in the morning. We drove for 20 hours that day. So we didn't stop. We only had stopped once during the entire trip. And I remember it was three in the morning and I was like laying in bed, unable to sleep, even though I was exhausted being like, okay, something needs to drastically change. So Um, at that time, like the next day, every morning I'd like wake up and I would just try to do some breathing exercises and journaling and just try to like get, get my life back together. And then I had really kind of like the moment, um, I was meeting my sister for food just for like for lunch at a place that like my grocery store was in. So I'd been to this place so many times and I was sitting in the parking lot and I was just crying because I was so afraid to go in because I was so afraid of my mind. And the best way I can explain it Mm. is as if someone would like put their hand on like my forehead or something that I would just like crumble to dust. Like I just felt so vulnerable in my own thoughts. And that really showed me how deep it ran. Like I knew, but I didn't really know until that moment. And that's when I think the pivotal, okay, these self-care practices, this habit of journaling, this habit of breathing exercises can't just be something I start and then stop again. There needs to be this big change. And that's when I did that personally and professionally because I stepped away from everything I was doing. I made the announcement to my 400 and some thousand followers that I was like, this is not what I talk about anymore. This is why, and this is going to be me figuring it out and seeing what it's going to be like moving forward. Wow. Just so much courage to actually have the guts and to honor that part of you that knows that it's wrong. And, you know, I can only imagine the pressure that must have been there having 400,000 plus followers that are like, we want our fitness girl here on on social media. And for you to show up so authentic, that took a lot of courage. Yeah, well, thank you. I think during the moment, I think it, I just, it was so what I needed that it wasn't, there wasn't a decision. And when I reflect back, because I had built a really successful business in the fitness space. And in that moment, when I reflect back now, I'm like, well, I could have separated, I could have done this, this and that, but I, there was no choice at that time that was necessary and needed to happen. And I was just so wrapped up in what was going on within myself, which I truly hadn't been because I had been denying it for so long, that everything that was not as important as that really fell to the to the side. It's obviously losing mass amount of followers like I did from that experience. Like no one can feel great about that, but yeah. it was because I was choosing to prioritize myself versus the box that social media had like assigned to me that that's all that I could be. And I was deciding, no, that's, I don't want to be doing that anymore. Wow. So I'm I'm imagining around this time, I mean, I know journaling is such a huge part of who you are and what you offer the world at this point. How did that happen? Like, how did you get into journaling? Yeah. So I just, I feel like when people talk about journaling, it's something that we all know we should be doing, but then we have a misunderstanding of what it truly is and then where to start. So, so true. Time, People right? say, go write a gratitude journal. And I'm always like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Or like, what, like, what am I supposed to write about? I think that's like the biggest thing that people don't truly understand. Mm -hmm. And so it always been something that was kind of like in the background of like, oh, like write down things, but it was more note taking. Even it could have been more like taking, like, here's what I did today. And that's not exactly what journaling truly can be. And so when I had came home from this experience, as I call my flight of panic, I had this version of myself of I needed to connect with, I needed to connect with like my fearful self. So I wanted to better understand like the fear that I was feeling, the anxiety and the anxious thoughts that I was thinking. So I began to use my journal in a way that was so much different than I had before, where it was like, 
okay, like fearful self that couldn't get on the flight, like Mm. what's going on? And I would like ask myself questions and it was almost, now I know it's um, a type of journaling exercise. It's like a dialogue as they call it. And we have it um, as a part of my journaling app, but it's a back and forth. So at that time I was journaling from the self that I was in that moment felt ignored or the self that felt like it needed to have a panic attack on an airplane. And I was having like a dialogue of what was this about? Why did this happen? Mm -hmm. And I started to kind of really switch gears from journaling, just being the self-care practice to being, and the way I view it, a a part of my life and a way of life and a way to move throughout my day. Because yeah, up until that point, like the best it's hard for people are like, what are the benefits of journaling? And I'm like, there's those technical benefits. <laughs> like there's, it does reduce stress. Science tells you those things. Yeah. But for me, it looks different for everyone because ultimately what journaling can allow you to do when you use it properly is it helps you have this like anchor within yourself. And I like view, it's kind of like, I view it as like a body cam that you just like watch life through this really grounded space within yourself. And you make decisions based on that in-depth understanding of what you actually want so it's like instead of just like kind of going with the wind and whatever people say you take things into consideration but then you ask yourself how you feel about it and so it's just take, it's like take me through that that's really interesting yeah. so this mm-hmm. is part about getting in touch with yourself like the voice mm-hmm. of yourself how does one begin to do that yeah i feel like it's the the act of asking like a lot of the time we are like, I'm anxious. I I can't fall asleep at night because I have all these thoughts. Right. And then my question to that is like, well, what are they saying? Because a lot of the time we don't actually know. We, we the like the anxiety is as much as it's controlling our lives, it's still like we're pushing it behind so much rather than bringing it to the forefront to be like, what is this about? What am I being called to work on right now? What do I need to focus on? Hmm. And when we can continually, like a lot of the time, I, or I think the place you really begin is with prompting yourself, of asking yourself and listening. Wow. So like, how am I feeling today? And then, but like, okay, how am I actually feeling? Okay, so what is this actually about? So I had a fight with my partner, but what's behind this fight? Or, what, how, did, or how are they perceiving it? So when you can continually have that self-awareness in whatever situation it is, it's always this like coming back to yourself to be like, okay, so what do you think about this? And that takes us a little rigid at first, but then that's really an automatic thing, whether you journal it down or not. But that's why I say it's a way of life because it's this internal relationship you have with yourself and you move through life, not prioritizing yourself, but keeping yourself in mind rather than just kind of going with the wind and whatever's being said to you. Makes sense. What what part of you are you accessing when you ask the questions? Like who is Mm -hmm. that in you? Yeah. So I think there's can be a lot of kind of different um, viewpoints on that. And there can be a lot of different perspectives, whether you want to make it spiritual, religious or whatever that is. What's yours? For me, yeah. yeah for, for me, I say there is this version of myself within that knows the best. And I have that self. And then I have the self that navigates life from insecurity, from doubt. So there's always that anchor. And like I've been talking about that ask the questions and I can tell very noticeably and this is not just me. So there are other people that do this, but I have different tones of voice in the way that I journal. So I have my authoritative, like knowing self, and then I have the self that's having the problem. Mm. So that knowing self is ultimately what journaling will help you, will help you meet and get to know and gain confidence in so that that version of yourself can help you through everything that you're facing. And I think when I think about why journaling is so important to me is I'm the biggest fan of therapy. I'm the biggest fan of medication, of going to the doctors, of getting that support. But you also need to be able to support yourself. Yes. And I think that's what's really missing because we so often turn outside of ourselves in ways that are positive, but also in ways that take away our own power. Because Yes, you need to go to a doctor to get a medication, but when you go and do that, ask yourself, how do we feel about taking this medication? What are our thoughts on this? And like, obviously taking into consideration what a doctor says, but you're making that educated decision with a doctor and with yourself as well to feel really confident in that decision. What I I'm, think that's really uh, missing. Yeah, what I'm loving about what you're saying, I mean, some might call that uh, like your intuition or your inner teacher or wisdom, or I mean, whatever words you want to give it, it's mm-hmm. like 
I'm, the words that are coming to me right now are just like, trust yourself. Like the Sophie mm-hmm. Gray message of trust yourself because that's mm-hmm. really where the, the truth is going to be about how to, to navigate in the world. I'm so appreciating what you're saying about that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I, and it's so is that, and I feel what really happens is that we don't. And I have a history of self-harm and attempted suicide that I just like brushed under the rug and think about how that trust was broken internally. I had really broken any relationship I had with myself when I was in the act of that. And a lot of the time through childhood trauma that a lot of us face in some way, some decision we make, we kind of sever that trust Mm. and journaling and this kind of, again, a way of life can bring you back to having that trust within yourself, which ultimately gives you the confidence to move through life in a way where you feel like you just know what's best for what you need in that moment, what will help you grow, what the lessons is and whatever you're facing. Mm -hmm. But ultimately trust really sits at the center of what journaling can help you build. Wow. I'm hearing you speak and I'm like, for somebody, I I don't want to sound like an old guy here, but for somebody your age (laughs) or our age, I don't know how your age, I'm not going to ask, but just for somebody that's like, you know, more on the youthful side of life, I sense, um, how did you gain all this wisdom, like to know this? I mean, there's just, there's so much wisdom that's coming through you right now as you're speaking. Who's influenced you? Yeah. Like I, when I really kind of reflect on my experience, like I had, I'm very fortunate to have incredible parents um, that I think really prioritized more in my viewpoint, more meaningful things in life. So maybe they weren't really concerned about what my grades were, but they were really concerned with how I was doing. And Um, I was really traumatically bullied when I was younger. And I think that really paved the way for a lot of the things that I had gone through. Mm. Um, So I feel very fortunate to have had my, like the foundation, I think values um, that I gained from my family and um, just really making a choice to surround myself with very supportive people. My husband is like my voice of reason when that internal voice isn't there. And I feel very, very fortunate Um, But ultimately, like, again, I feel sometimes like a broken record, but I think just what this practice has allowed me to kind of gain within myself is really ultimately where that comes from. It's not like tooting my own horn, but um, something, yeah, I just, I I just want it for other people to know that they can feel that confident in themselves or have that relationship with themselves and whatever that looks like for them. If you remember back to like the first time you even heard of the concept of journaling, what inspired, like who inspired that or how did you hear about it? Like, how did you even think to go, I'm going to start journaling right now? Yeah. So I, well, I, I feel like maybe it's more for young girls, but like diary, that was like, I kept diaries when I was younger. I now I still have them in my basement because I have like a whole like <laughs> tub thing of all my journals now. They're all dated properly so I can always reflect back on them. And I think when I, like at that moment, I think what really kind of pushed me into it was a little bit of like the self-care kind of like conversations that happen on like 10 things to do for your (laughs) self-care. And then I kind of just latched onto it. And in that moment, it was really what I needed. Um, And then from there, I started learning more so about like journaling therapy, which is a study practice that psychologists use in their, um, their practices. So I think just, I'm very much the type of person that wants to be educated when I kind of latch onto something. So from there, like really understanding the mechanism, understanding, not just doing it, but understanding it for myself. So once I latched onto the practice, then like further refined and built onto that from just learning about journaling therapy as a whole. Wow. I can tell you're somebody that writes regularly, just the way that you speak and the way that you process and the depth of your reflection. Like I can hear the benefits of journaling just by being with you. I I get that sense. And I know that like, I want to just, I shared at the beginning of the podcast, um, you've created this whole world of journaling and opened it up for people that may never even consider doing it through this app called Dive Through. Mm. And I'd love to hear, first of all, how did you get the name Dive Through? <laughs> What's that all about? Yeah. Oh my, I love, I lo- okay. I love that you've asked that because I've never had anyone ask me and like, it was a process. So uh-huh. when I had, so basically when I looked at like creating a journaling app, ultimately, of course, journaling isn't new, but what technology and innovation allows us to do is really streamline 
um, different processes to make something more accessible. So that ultimately like sat at the center of what Dive Through slowly evolved and came into. So hmm. when I had started journaling, um, I had obviously had this large social media following. So I did it for about a year, kind of behind closed doors, focusing on myself. Um, and then I started to share a little bit more about what was going on and people became super interested in it. So I was like, okay, like let's maybe bring other people into the conversation. So I actually started um, what Dive Through is now as um, workshops inside my house. I'd have like eight to 12 women from the internet come over. We'd sit in my spare bedroom. We'd go through journaling exercises. So that was like the first iteration. Wow. Like you would lead like random, were they random strangers or people on your Instagram or how? Yeah. Well, are, the, are <laughs> people on your Instagram not right? Yeah. They were people I put like the event brand up. I don't, I don't wow. know. Them out of my home. That's amazing. I, I think maybe because it was women, right? It was like, if a man's name came up, maybe I would have been like, probably not. But <laughs> that, that's like the, the original kind of like the way I wow. then started to think of like, okay, further like systemizing that. Mm-hmm. So then it obviously slowly evolved um, into what it is today, but the name Oh my gosh. Like, so I have notebooks upon notebooks. I have different names and doodles. And it's so funny. So in the app itself, we have an entire section um, dedicated to entrepreneurs. So we have ones for like building your business and using journaling to do so because journaling is a tool of Mm self-development. So when I started dive through, I journaled and journaled and journaled. Um, So I had all these different names and I had this one name that I really, really liked, but then the URL was like not available. So that was like the one thing I was like, I'm going to have a name. I need to have the dot com. I like have some perfectionist like tendencies and that's like, there's some things I don't care about, but other things I'm overly particular. Okay. So I had had all these names, all these variations and I love branding. So that was always, that was like my first business, what made me successful, I, I feel. So I, again, it was like a six month process and then I know where I was driving. So I was in the car because I love to go for drives when I can't write it out, when I can't write fast enough because something a lot is happening, I'll go and drive and talk it out to myself. So I was driving um, on a road I go on regularly and then just the name like dive through came to me and I was like, oh my gosh. So I pulled over, I checked if the domain was available. It was available for sale because someone had purchased it to sell it. And I was like, yep, that's it. And then- yeah, obviously the name of like, so where it comes from, and you know, the saying how there's like, there's like kind of image that's like motivational, where it's someone that's like, kind of, there's like a circle and it's like to go around things versus like to go through them. Yes. So it's like, you can kind of like avoid things rather than like actually facing them head on. So that's really where the word like through, like going through it. And like, I always say like, let's dive in, but then like diving through it. Oh, um, so cool. that's where like that mechanism, there's two more. And then when I think about like a drive through, that's like the most convenient thing ever for um, like humanity. That is like convenience defined. Whereas <laughs> journaling is super difficult and it's not fun. It's not a convenient process. So then I was like playing off of that. And then the last one is my family's Scottish, like I mentioned. Um, so there's a lot of things. Obviously, I, I'm Canadian and I grew up in Canada. Um, but there are a lot of things that I say that my husband is like, that's not a thing. So like, we'll be like sitting in the kitchen and the living, I'll be in the living room. He'll be in the kitchen and there's no, like, there's no doorway. And I'll be like, okay, like come through to like the living room. And he's like, through (laughs) what? He was like, there's nothing to come through. And I'm like, yeah, just come through here. He's like, but what am I passing through? And I'm like, but you're coming in from one room to the other. And it's like, my entire family says it. And it's just like the actual proper way to say things, but it's obviously doesn't, you're not like speaking English (laughs) <laughs> something like my husband every time I say it brings it up so then it was also kind of a little bit of a jab at him which I love <laughs> wow <laughs> that will live with him forever <laughs> yes that's yes. so funny wow well it's incredible I I've had a chance to just be on the app briefly like I've just I'm a new subscriber to your app um, but can you just share just for people that are new to this dive through app uh, what they can expect when they go on there like what, what's it all Absolutely. about yeah, so kind of our little spiel I have. So Dive Through is a guided journaling app that helps you dive through what you go through. We work with mental health professionals to create guided journals that help you take charge of your mental well-being. 
So what that means is we have over a thousand different journaling exercises in the app on a wide range of topics from making a career change to working on your control issues to working through a breakup that take you through different journaling exercises and prompts to help you better understand that situation. Now, how we're a little bit different is that we, there's two main ways. So the first is that we have something called the dive through method that you actually go through um, rather than just journaling. So before starting your journaling session, you actually do a two minute introspection exercise that instead of just kind of focusing on your breath and quieting your thoughts, we actually actively invite you to bring in the topic you're about to journal about, really giving you that time to like get in the zone and prepare your mind to journal. So mm. that's the, the kind of the first step. Then the handwritten journaling is just that. It's handwritten journaling, which is really different than a lot of apps. Um, journaling therapy says that's what's best for you. So as much as we want to make it super convenient for you, we're also wanting to be rooted in Western psychology and wow. best practices. Um, and then once you are done journaling, you do another breathing exercise. Um, and then you summarize your experience into the app, which is so important. So never skip that over because when you read what you wrote, um, you can actually then take away what you're wanting to take away from that session. So say you just had a fight with your partner and you were journaling about it and you were kind of like angry or whatever, you're just letting it all out. Once you read it, you can be like, oh, like this is what I learned or this is what this is really about. And you can kind of peel away that lesson for yourself by reading what you wrote, then summarizing it for yourself. What an amazing like tool and system to really do some processing for yourself. If you, mm -hmm. you, there's so much in there and I feel like you've got that down to a spiel. Like <laughs> there's, I was trying to take it all in. <laughs> I'm like, wow, there's a lot. I'm sure you talk about this app a lot. Um, but the, the part that intrigues me as you were talking was just about the handwriting and the mm -hmm. science behind that. Are you familiar with what the importance of handwriting a journal? Yeah, so I, there's like the science. And then the way I kind of explain that is as cool as technology is, we are, we've been around for a lot longer. And mm -hmm. so our bodies and the mechanism behind that kind of abide by those old school rules. So the actual act of writing pen to paper puts your mind into a meditative state. There's done, there's been studies that like what you do in meditation and your mind kind of slips into that space. It does the same when you're writing. So there's that from like a calming perspective, um, from like the kind of handwritten aspect. They also say that writing pen to paper helps you memorize things more. So if you're actually like in school or something, they say that it's better for you. Um, and then it's just like, yeah, the mechanism that um, really can be so cathartic when you get it out opposed to kind of just using your thumbs. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it just really comes down to the fact that we've been writing things down or carving things into the side of the wall or whatever that is for so long. Yeah, I'm thinking of like really... ancient Egypt, like the exactly. hieroglyphics and all that. Yeah, it's been around for so long. And we really, really pride ourselves. Like we are rooted in journaling therapy. Um, so just abiding by best practices as much as as cool as tech is, we're looking to bridge the two. So that's why we call wow. ourselves like a hybrid app. That's yeah. incredible. So for somebody that wants to handwrite, it's within the app they can actually handwrite. So correct? no, it's pen to paper. So they it's like have their paper. own physical journal and then they summarize into the app. Oh, wonderful. Wow. What mm -hmm. a brilliant concept. So you get this idea that drops in, I'm going to create an app for journaling. How does one go about like even doing that from start to finish? Like that's a huge, I imagine, undertaking. Yeah, it was um, something that I didn't know I was doing at the time. So I feel like if I had known what I was like embarking on, maybe I wouldn't have done it, but obviously <laughs> no, no regrets. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I had started, like uh, in my first business, I really learned the, the aspects of creating products, but creating things that um, people needed because I understood what they needed. So my target audience has always been people in the similar demographic to me uh, because I know them best. And because I am one of them, I am our target demographic. Mm -hmm. So that's really like where I had started with the initial concept from and built it on from there. So it was really a crash course in uh, bringing on developers, working with developers to bring this idea into life, which is my most favorite thing to do ever. Um, so we had initially started development of the app in January of 2006. 
2018. And then it launched the prototype in October of 2018, but it wasn't until November of last year that we officially launched what the app is today with the full concept realized. So it's it's been a journey and it's just been so much fun. So stressful, but I do love it. <laughs> there's There's so much creativity in you. I can see this from even just, you know, an early age, I get the sense. And then just your fascination with branding and marketing and creating and the creative energy of that and, you know, everything that you've been through. What does creativity mean to you? Mm-hmm. It means so much. Like even you asking that, like, I don't know, I just got shivers and like want to cry. So mm. like the best way to explain what creativity means to me is, um, why am I blanking on the movie about Queen? What was the movie's name about Queen? Oh, Bohemian the Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Yeah, yeah. So good movie. That movie. Yeah, so that movie, in the beginning scene, there's like Freddie is like walking up to this, like the, the stage and we just see his back. So you don't even see his face yet. I was crying before we even saw his face. Yeah. Because just like when I think about like their art and what they've created, that is just like, that is life itself. That is so powerful and so moving and like what that can mean so I think of like what Bohemian Rhapsody the song itself means to me and my dad that that was just like a song of my childhood and then it was at my wedding where my husband and I were able to sing it to one another and like to be able to create art like that like there's nothing that's the point of life like to be able to touch people in that impactful and powerful way improve their life in in such a rich and meaningful way and I ultimately, like, I really subscribe to, like, Big, Big Magic by, is it Elizabeth Gilbert? Gilbert? Yeah. Yeah. So she talks just about, like, the way creativity, like, moves through artists and things like that. So I have a writing background. That's what I, I view myself as a writer, like, fundamentally, but then using that in an entrepreneurial way. But to me, it's just that's how we create the world that we want to see. And hopefully that world is a better place. And that's what sits at the center of innovation and moving things forward to be better than they are right now. Wow. I'm getting chills listening to you speak about that too. (laughs) Where do these ideas come from? Like if you were to just to think about, you know, the songwriter's queen, or even just when you're writing, I know you mentioned your inner self, but like, I I just am curious about where does creativity come from in your Mm -hmm. perspective? What do you think? Yeah, I very much believe that creativity is its own force and it comes to you. And if it comes to you and you're fortunate enough to then bring that into the real world, that's amazing. But if you don't act quick enough, it's moving on and it's finding someone else. So whenever I'm having like doubts in myself with dive through, I always kind of dive through is its own, its own thing. It wanted it's whatever we want to call it, but it wanted to be a tool in its life. So whenever I'm doubting myself, I always remember that dive through has its own agenda and I need to step out of the way of that. And I can do my best to be in service to that. But I believe, yeah, creativity comes to you. And if you're willing to write the book or create the project, that's amazing. But if you're not, it's going to float to someone else and someone else is going to bring it into to real life. I find sometimes just you saying that too, and being a creator as well, like it can sometimes be accompanied by a bit of an anxiety feeling like I've got to get this together. I've got to get this out to the world. There's like a, an Mm -hmm. urgency that can come with creativity. I think too, when you think about, um, all of the, the opportunity to express and creativity through us now, it's just like, it can be a bit overwhelming. How do you Mm -hmm. navigate that? Like, how do you deal with the anxiety that might come from that creative burst? Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. And I think about my manuscript of a fiction book that just sitting me, calling me back, come back to me. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I so feel that. Yeah. I think to me, I've, I don't know where I heard it. It's not my quote, but talking about sometimes anxiety and excitement come in the same form so that they like, and sometimes you might be anxious, but you actually might just be excited. So for me, like kind of recognizing that, and maybe that's a good way to just label my anxiety different, but um, I am no stranger to kind of getting nose down, bringing it to life and birthing that idea in the like all consuming sort of way. Clearly, And I think, yeah, like, and I think that's what creativity demands of people when you hear of all of the like great artists in the world. I feel the one thing I... I don't know how to talk about it, but I think that like um, music, like writing books, music, 
we more so talk about creativity from that lens opposed to like bringing it through the entrepreneurship lens, which I think is in disservice to a lot of entrepreneurs that might view themselves as creatives, not knowing that they can venture into creating a business. Mm. And I think that they, they're one and the same. Why do you uh, think there's this separation between those two worlds? Yeah, I think when we have the idea of like selling your art or something like that, that it's a little, we approach that a little bit differently than selling a business. And then we have just these, the practices of building a business is very different. So as a creative, you have to then step into the operational side and you have to wear many hats. And I think then that's where that the creativity can get a little severed because then you're thinking about bottom lines and you're thinking about spreadsheets and cash in and out, which is equally as important, but really takes the creative away from building something um, with the initial intention that they had had when it first came to them. Mm. So I'm personally learning how to navigate that myself because I came from not, I came from both sides, entrepreneurship and writing and more creative. And I made the decision to pursue dive through opposed to pursuing maybe a book or something like that. And it was a very hard decision to make, but I'm looking to find the balance in the business to be able to still have those attributes as I, as I created and as it grows into what it's meant to be. Yeah. I can really sense that you're from both sides of that, that the business world and the art world, I can feel the creative in you and yet mm-hmm. such an entrepreneur of just like birthing it too. It's a beautiful mix of the two energies that you bring. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. I also, I just want to, there's so, so many questions that are spinning around in my head as we talk because you're such a fascinating guest to have on the show. Um, I just, I want to go back for a minute because it keeps coming up in my intuition. This whole Mm -hmm. thing of social media, I mean, you're on the front lines of this from an early age. And I just think that that has had such an impact on our culture, on our society, especially when you talk about like demographics like young women who their Mm -hmm. whole self-esteem becomes based on social media. And I'm just curious, um, your take on how do we navigate that right now in our current world? Um, What kind of advice or wisdom could you share with somebody that is feeling super controlled by social media? They can't get off it. It's it's completely, and maybe they don't even know yet <laughs> that it's taken over their life and they're basing their whole life around it. What would you mm-hmm. say to somebody like that? Yeah, I think it is such a problem. Like they say, Instagram in particular is the worst platform for young people's mental health. Um, and now I look, obviously it's forever changing. Now we have TikTok and we have these other platforms that are just evolving and it's just a fundamental part of your life. And I think where people kind of miss is that they're like, well, then just don't go on the platform. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually not possible. And especially as things grow in advance, like an important part of being employable is like, what does your LinkedIn look like? And all of these things that might, that might not be right, but it's the reality. So I feel when like looking at and having that conversation, know that the goal isn't to get you off of the platform. It's to reassess your relationship with it and your identity towards it. And are they one in the same? Because that's going to be a recipe for disaster. So we talk a lot about like, we're like, everyone has a personal brand these days. And I think, okay, that's really cool, but it should, it should never be this immediate reflection of you because you can be authentic and genuine online and still have a degree of separation. And you have to, if you want to have like a long and have longevity there. So really the first place I always recommend starting is asking yourself how, when you're on the platform, how does it make you feel Mm -hmm. when you're deep in a scroll? Like how does looking at this beautiful individual's page make you feel about yourself and viewing? And when I I talk a lot to youth and the way I kind of view it is think about your social media as if it's like your bedroom where you have like posters on your wall. I don't know if kids still have that, but like really only allowing things that like bring you joy. And if there's people that you're following, if it's personal, mute them. So maybe you don't have to unfriend them. But if it's like an influencer, I say with air quotes, um, unfollow them if they don't make you feel good. And if they're not positively contributing to you and really set those boundaries, that's the way like to interact with the platform itself. Um, but then with yourself, it all comes down to, um, having that better relationship with yourself and being able to separate the two and putting that layer of protection mentally and emotionally, because there you're always going to be inundated with people 
coming at you. And I had that for seven years and it took seven years to finally like sever that cord that I I'm not one in the same to what I post online. And I think it also comes down to like understanding your values and like what you value in life and living from that. And then using social media to complement that. Like for me, my priority is my, my family in particular, my nieces and my nephew, and I'll share them on like my personal channels and things like that. So in that capacity, it's not a interacting with a platform in the wrong way because it's in alignment with my values and mm. really starting kind of doing that personal work. Um, and then just assessing your relationship with the platform. Wow. So good. I love your discipline. <laughs> How, what what made you not give completely up on social media in the middle of your, your breakdown where you were like, yeah. I'm done with this? <laughs> uh-huh. And you know, I was reflecting back a little while ago because when I initially started, I think I was like two years in, there was one individual that we had grown together and she was very young. Like I think she would have been 16 and 17 um, when she had this like a mass, like hundreds of thousands of followers. And she said, screw it and shut everything down. And I, I, I then said, I was like, why didn't I do that? And I feel that I, I don't have anything wrong. Like there's, I don't have anything against social media. It's the way it's the discipline with your relationship towards it. Um, am I frustrated every day when I still get asked for workouts? Absolutely. Um, but then I also recognize that like, you're a small part of someone's life. So maybe they don't like, they don't see every update you make. So maybe they haven't seen what I posted in three years and that's okay. Um, but I feel in that moment, I just knew that I was going to be building towards something that needed that platform in the first place. Right. Um, and I just, yeah, I needed to reassess my relationship. So I, I wasn't blaming the platform. I was taking accountability for myself. And a lot of the time, like we blame society for influencers and giving the Kardashians all this attention. And it's like, well, who's doing that? Who makes up society? You do. And who makes up that platform to be negative? So we're, we're blaming influencers for posting perfect content, but what was the last thing you posted? Are you talking about all your problems online? Like in a way to be real? No. Yeah. So like you're feeding into the cycle, we create trends and then these people capitalize on them, but they weren't the ones to create the trend in the first place. And I think there just needs to be more accountability on the platform. Mm. And that's really where I started. I, I took it on myself. Like Obviously, I didn't deserve any negative comments I got and things like that, like about my body or anything, but it was still taking it upon myself to make a change. Yeah. It really requires like uh, vulnerability and truth to like stand in your own power and post what's coming from there as opposed to what you think people want you to be or what they want to see and how that can get into that whole trap. I'm mm -hmm. as on another piece about social media. I imagine, I mean, with you having several hundred thousand followers on there, there must be some amazing miracle stories that have happened to you along the way, like moments mm -hmm. that you're just like, I couldn't have written this in a journal beforehand. Mm -hmm. Are there yeah. moments like that? Like, what are some of the like highlight moments that you would celebrate about being on social media? Like what happened? <laughs> what are mm -hmm. some of those? Yeah. Like to me, I have a very deeply held passion for, um, like uh, youth advocacy around mental health. Again, my past wasn't the best um, from that. So I always, whenever I think about all the work I do, I always bring it back that I want to then make change in the, the youth space and supports and all of that. Mm -hmm. So I've had some like messages from people being like, um, I like had an eighth grade project where I had to write like a report about someone that I admire. And then I wrote it about you. And that like, <laughs> always, like brings me to tears. And that's like super meaningful. Um, then just like, it's, it's interesting. Social media just removes this veil and this, it just makes people more accessible and it can be in a really negative way, but it can be in a really, really beautiful way where people are wrapped up in your life. Um, but in a positive sense that then like every day they're maybe checking in on you, what you're doing, and that's giving them some type of positive, um, inspiration in their own life. So I always, like I'm deeply moved when maybe someone has never, I've actually never even seen them comment, but they message me saying that like, this is how the relationship that they've had with me over seven and a half years. Wow. So that's always just like amazing to think. And I, I always like joke saying I'm a child of the internet because technically I, I really am in my, <laughs> my young years. Yeah. Uh, so that's always been that super impactful and just this, it can be this tool to, connect with people you otherwise wouldn't have been able to. It's also a tool that can open you up to a lot of um, negativity, but there's also so much positivity in that as well. Yeah. 
And I see that's what you're using it for now. And like in all ways, very consciously, I'm so inspired by you in that way. Um, there was one last piece that I was curious about from you. And it was <laughs> right now we're like in the middle of COVID-19 pandemic. Such a weird, <laughs> crazy time. Uh, mm -hmm. All over the world, we've been impacted by this. And I'm just curious your perspective on like where you think the world is headed based mm -hmm. on where we are right now. Wherever you're listening, <laughs> well, let's see if your prediction's right. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, but right. currently right now, like what, what do you think the future is for our world yeah. right now? Yeah, I think this has been a call for priorities, a call for, um, I talk about values a lot and yeah, I think it's kind of calling us back to what's actually important to us. I always like at first, the first like couple of weeks, I was like, all I want to do is go to HomeSense. <laughs> um, and then HomeSense opened yesterday for us because we're in Alberta here. And I was like, I have no intentions of going anytime soon. And there's a bit because of obviously the safety, but also a bit because I don't need anything. Mm. So I think if anything, it's asking us or it is going to have a scale back, I'm hoping. Wow. Um, I'm hoping that it will make some major changes within the government. Um, I think I'm very, I feel very fortunate to be Canadian, but I think there's still things that could be improved upon. I'm hopeful that something will happen in the States. I guess I'm more hopeful than predictive. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. What I are guess you hoping, hoping for? Yeah. I'm hoping for empathy. I, I, hmm. I don't understand why it's so difficult to care about people other than yourself. Hmm. And to do something about that. Like I just, I'm very black and white and I just don't understand any type of mindset where you wouldn't care about other people and, the, and vote and act for their best interest. Because as a privileged white woman, I have all the things afforded to me and I recognize that. And I don't vote with, I don't, I don't look to vote for my best interests. I, I hope people make decisions based on who needs the impact and support the most and voting accordingly in that way. So I, I hope that things continue to trend towards that. I think they are more so in Canada. Um, yeah, I think I just, I'm hoping for more empathy from people in terms of when we're going to be able to open it. I have no, no clue. Um, but I just hope that it like wakes up some people to be caring about others. Wow. What a message for the world. I love it. <laughs> Sophie, there's so many things I want to say uh, as we're coming to the end of the podcast to you. One is I just totally love your heart. It's so big and it's so compassionate. And with all that you've been through, um, just the way that you've turned this around to just bring love into everything and to be a leader. It's just so inspiring. If I was in grade eight right now, I'd be writing my paper about you. And the title would be, it wouldn't be Sophie Gray. It'd be called Sophie Great. Sophie the, <laughs> Sophie the Great is what I'd oh be calling my, my grade eight paper about you. You're such an inspiration. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. And I just, I so appreciate the conversations that you open up with on this podcast and you inviting people to show up and be genuine and authentic and creating that safe space. So thank you for creating a space for people to shine through. I, I've been a fan of the podcast and I will continue to be one. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, hope you come back again soon on our show here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling so great after speaking with Sophie Gray, who I would like to rename Sophie Great. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie, for joining us. And just, I hope you all are um, taking some of this positive empathy and love and compassion that we were speaking about on the program today into your world. I always think it's like dropping a stone into the water and watching it ripple out and affect change. And we all have the opportunity to do that in our own way. Thank you, Sophie, for reminding us of what it means to live from this positive place. Until next time, everybody, be well, stay safe, live your best life, and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode of Let's Connect. Let's Connect.